Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Oh, I'm going to a city and life for... Hi, everybody. God bless you. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast today on Blog Talk Radio, and we are going to have a special program for you today. We are going to be talking with TJ and Rennell from Church Folk Revolution and PimpPreacher.com, and we are going to be talking about Hurricane Katrina, remember that, and uh, what really happened during Hurricane Katrina, both TJ and Rennell lived in New Orleans at the time, and uh, they were eyewitnesses to the event, so that should be a very interesting conversation. I want to uh, let you know today that uh, we have a website for you, propheticnews.com, and we have our radio broadcast every Saturday on Blog Talk Radio at 1 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And also we are on the Prophecy Zone Network Mondays at 2 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And uh, we also have a YouTube channel if you'd like to go over there. And the YouTube channel is Jonah T for Tom 48. Also the uh, chat room is open, so I will be checking the chat room and uh, we'll be looking for your comments, so I'll be bringing my guests on the air. Hi, TJ. TJ. I'm here. I can hear you. TJ. Yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? (laughs) Yeah. Hi, everybody. Hey, can you, you hear me as well? Yeah. All right, all right. Hey, thank you for inviting us, Sister Sue. So we really appreciate it. Yes, thank you for coming on. I uh, I wanted to, uh, I know that you both lived in New Orleans at the time of Hurricane Katrina, a very compelling story yes. that happened in our uh, country here uh, back about 2005. Was it August 2005? Yes, August we... 20... Eight? August 28, 2005. 2005. <laughs> yeah. And you were both living in New Orleans at the time, and you still live there now? Yeah. Um, and, and, and I really want um, Renell to share her part because we actually met as a couple in the aftermath of <laughs> Katrina, you know, when <laughs> the, city, the city was sort of rebounding. We're, we're, we're actually a Katrina couple. And, yeah. and you know, the the interesting thing, and I want her to share, because it also tells us the, the story of how we met, but Rennell had just purchased a home, okay? Right. But when I tell you just purchased a home, I mean moved all of the furniture into the home, and I'm going to let Rennell pick it up from there. 
How you doing, Susan? Good. It's great to talk with you. Uh, we have uh, so- something in common since we were both Catholics at one time. That's right. We have a lot to talk about, Then you, were, you went over to, to uh, Judaism. Uh, to, yeah. Riddell was <laughs> <laughs> and uh, so I said, wow, we have so much in common there. Oh, really? Don't tell me you took that same journey. Catholic, could well, you? Really? I went to, um, Renelle, I was raised a Catholic. Now, I went to Catholic school up until I was 12. I mean, when I was 12, um, I figured out that it, it, it was a false religion or something, you know. Wow. And I, I had wish to I figured it school. out at age 12. <laughs> yeah, I figured it out then, and then I didn't even want anything to do with God. But, I mean, in your testimony, and, and we'll have to have that on one time, because I thought your testimony was so interesting. But um, tell us what happened when you uh, you just purchased that house there in New Orleans, and what happened? All right. Well, like TJ was saying, um, I just purchased a house um, a week before uh, Katrina hit. Uh, so I closed on the house actually the Monday before the storm hit, and then I had to go um, out of town for for my job, which incidentally was a mortgage company. <laughs> so, oh. so I'm so I'm in Washington D.C. leading uh, up the week prior to the storm, and uh, when I came back that Thursday evening. Um, late Thursday, got up Friday, moved everything in the house. My son and I slept in the house one night, and then Saturday morning I get a phone call from my father saying that uh, we need to go to the bank and gas up the car and we need to leave. So I had just moved everything into the house, had all my brand-new furniture delivered, all my brand-new appliances, (laughs) everything into the house. Everything was still in boxes primarily on my first floor. I was in a two-story house, so everything was in boxes on the first floor. And uh, we left that Saturday, and when I was able to actually come back to the house three months later for the very first time, everything was gone. I had 18 feet of water total in in a two-story house, and parts of my roof came off. So when I tell you everything was gone, everything was gone. Now, why did it take three months for you to get back to your house? Because we had to wait for the water to recede, and I had to get the okay to uh, be able to go back into the house. As a matter of fact, I I evacuated for another hurricane before I was even able to go back to see the Katrina damage because I evacuated to Lake Charles, Louisiana, and then they got evacuated for Hurricane Rita. So it wasn't until after I came back from the Hurricane Rita evacuation that I was finally able to actually go see the Katrina damage. Wow. So what were your feelings? How did you feel when you went back there and you saw the devastation? Oh, when I first went back, of course, I was uh, angry, right, because I'm like I worked so hard to, you know, to be able to put myself in a position where I could buy a home, right? Yeah, yeah. So I I was upset, I was angry, you know, lost everything. So, you know, you you go through all the emotions, you know, why, 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 why? And and after I went through the why, then I began to say, well, you know what, 
I said, God didn't want me in the house in the first place, which is why I'm not there now. I said, because if that is where it was meant to be, that's where I would have been. Mm-hmm. So I started to look at it from that aspect, and that helped heal a, a lot of the pain and, and, and a lot of the 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 hurt that I was going through because I kept saying to myself, that's not where I was supposed to be. Yeah. I'm supposed mm-hmm. to be somewhere else. There's another plan, and yeah. I just have to accept that and open myself up to that plan. And once I started looking at it like that, oh, trust me, Susan, I'm in a much better place now than I would have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that that is devastating. Like you said, you you work so hard. It, it's very difficult uh, to save enough money to buy a house and to get it completely mm-hmm. furnished. And then something like this comes along and, and just completely uh, wipes you out, right? Yeah, right. Completely wipes you out, and you, and of course we know we love God and we we trust God, and yet when these things happen to us, like you said at first, hey, you don't. You get mad. Oh yeah, get mad. You get angry. Oh yeah. Tell the truth. Tell the whole truth. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I'm not even going to sugarcoat it. I was pissed off too. <laughs> I know. I mean, I would be too. It's like, okay, God, you know. I don't okay. believe, you know, and what I was did like, I do? what? I'm like, what? What did I do? And, and you know, yeah. then I started taking it personally because then, you know, I did the like second everybody evaluation. About God, what did yeah. I like and, and God was after me, you know, because, <laughs> <laughs> because the funny thing was it was no sooner than I got settled into the apartment that I moved into in Lake Charles than I had to evacuate that place too and it had it started to become a, a joke amongst my co-workers and it was like yeah Renell gonna have houses in three states mm, <laughs> right you know and, and, and so that is the you know when you look at new orleans and you also look at the devastation of today yeah you know, the people from new orleans we we can understand you know there they are Tornadoes ripping across this country right now. Yeah. Just had another one. 89 people perished in that one. You had the Alabama situation, you know, over 300 people perished, you know. And and I really wanted to do something to to sort of let these people know who lost everything that, you know, Rennell and I lost everything, okay? Mm-hmm. And so we understand. Regardless of how yeah. it like right now, you can recover from it because New Orleans was one of those unique situations where you never had an entire region flood, you know. And that's yeah. what, New Orleans, it wasn't just New Orleans that was wiped out. It was several parishes that were wiped out with New Orleans. New Orleans is just sort of the more popular one. You know, mm-hmm. but they there there's Saint Bernard Parish, there's Plaquemines Parish. You heard a lot about mm-hmm. them during the time of the of the Gulf oil spill. You, you had several areas, several parishes that were all wiped out at the same time. So there wasn't a, a blueprint. There wasn't anything in place for how to handle this massive this massive amount of loss. And so now when you look at the tornadoes, you look at the search and rescue, and you see these rescue guys spray painting 
this little circle and the X's. This was stuff that they, that little system was, was put together in New Orleans. Yeah. This idea of we're going to draw a circle on the house and, you know, this going to let people know the date we searched it and the zero or the num- number at the top will let us know if we found any bodies in the inside. Yeah. You know? And and in the, in the aftermath of, of Hurricane Katrina, you know, because of, you know, what my family did in the, in the funeral business, I sort of didn't, I never really left the city. You know, I stayed. And in in the aftermath of Katrina, um, my my job at the time, which was you know was actually part of a contract with FEMA, was um, recovering the bodies you know of people that didn't make you know. Oh. And so we were going around the city, you know, and sometimes the National Guard would call us, and you know, certain people are calling, you know, there's a body, you know, we need you to go pick it up. And so, you know, it was basically helping out recovering the deceased of the storm. Wow. And, you know, I've shared this story on on one other occasion because prior to the Mm -hmm. storm, Sister Sue, I wanted to be a pastor. You know, I was really conditioning. Yeah, you'd be a good pastor. Right, to be a a preacher. (laughs) But it was was a preacher in the wrong school of thought. Yeah, wrong type of preacher, Sister Sue. This is preacher. Katrina, the only type of pastoring I was really exposed to was the big heavy-duty pimping style of preaching. Yeah. You know? yeah. I was already mm-hmm. in that game, getting ready to get conditioned to yeah. be a part of You're this. You're on your way up. Yeah, and here comes Hurricane Katrina. Now, yeah. something interesting happened after Katrina, and it pretty much changed my life, and it also explains the church folk revolution, is aftermath of Katrina, you know, the family member who owned the funeral home began to reach out to some of the families that we were able to identify and say, hey, uh, we have your loved one here, and we can do the service for them. Don't worry about the charge. We'll charge. You know, we'll talk about that later. But yeah. if you want to have a funeral, we'll bury them for you. All you uh-huh. have to do is get your pastor to officiate. That was the problem. The problem was they couldn't get none of these big – Big time preachers to come back to the city. Okay. Yeah. They were in Houston. They were setting up their shop in Atlanta. They were setting up all over this region. Right. None of them wanted to come back. So, you know, my aunt, she turns to me and she's like, Well, you know, you, you, you're a preacher. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> she reminded me, you know, I, yeah. I need you to commit the body to the grave. You know? Yeah. And I'm saying, okay, you know, not a problem, I'll do it. So I go there and I do it, and I, I preach a funeral for someone I don't even know. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm meeting this person for the first time in the eulogy. I'm using the, the program that's prepared to sort of understand who this person is who drowned in Katrina. And I did that funeral, right? And then here comes two days later, she says, I need you to do it again. Yeah. Okay, so they got another pastor who won't come back because of Katrina. I get there, I commit this body to the grave. This turned out to be four, almost five months of funerals. Wow. Back to back to back to back. And when I, you know, I had got to the last one, the last one I did 
since it was in January, and I told God I don't want to preach no more. <laughs> you know, I'm, I don't, I don't want to even be a preacher. You know, and what He was teaching me at the time was this is what it means to serve. Right. You, you thought it was cause. You thought it was these big houses in certain areas. Yeah. But what it means to serve has absolutely nothing to do with money. It has everything. You committing, you burying these 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 loved ones, you burying these family members, and sister, so we we had you know just we didn't really have a morgue in the aftermath of Katrina. Um, a member of my family let them use a very old um, um, funeral home that was no longer in operations, and for the most part, the people that didn't make it, we was keeping them in. Uh, refrigerated trucks, like the Winn-Dixie or Walmart meat trucks, you know, the yeah. refrigerator. That's that's where you were placing them. So you had all you had a, you had several trucks, and you had the, the people who didn't make it inside of those trucks. And yeah. that was the aftermath of Katrina. The aftermath of Katrina was unorganized. It was it, it was primitive. You know, and you yeah, had that's city. the right word for it, primitive. Shocking. 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 So when I see Lewis and I see these people on TV saying, why won't they let us, you know, recover our loved one out of this market? And I'm sitting there saying, you know what? We've been here before. Yeah. We know we know what this feels like. You know, we, yeah. we couldn't release anybody at the time either because we didn't. The tagging system wasn't that accurate, you know. So just because you were saying that your loved one drowned and you know we have bodies, we couldn't release them. And it was a whole bunch of, you know, a, a lot of anguish. And, and, you know, the frustrating part is from New Orleans in 2005 with Katrina to today St. Louis in, in May of 2011, nothing has changed. Yeah. Now, TJ, were you actually in New Orleans when the storm, when the flood happened? Yes, I, I didn't get to leave. Um, I had an uncle who didn't want to leave. Yeah. Right, because he had went through a storm in sixty something, you know, and we just sort oh, of yeah, took him. Oh yeah, I know. And who I was going to? That stay? is, yeah. You never <laughs> right? think that it's really going to happen. Uh, never think that it was it going to happen, and, and no. the war came in on us, you know, and you know the, the thing about about New Orleans, and, you know, a lot of people speculated that the, they blew up the levees in the Lower Night Ward. They didn't blow up any levees in the Lower Night Ward. You know, that's, they have blown up levees before, okay? Yeah. Um, and Rennell was doing a study on the same thing. There were there were periods when they blew up levees before. But yeah. the what flooded out the Night Ward came from two areas, from the south of New Orleans, Water came in through St. Bernard Parish, and there was a barge that was left in the industrial canal. So when a lot of people were saying they were hearing this boom, 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 well, the tugboat driver just basically left the barge. He just disconnected from it, backed up his tugboat, and sailed off into sunset and left this barge in between a canal, and a canal that had two walls right on each side of the canal, that was probably about 20, 20 inches thick of cement. So if you have this big barge coming that's just crashing back and forward into this wall, with oh, this wall uh -huh. of course you're going to think that something blew up, right? Yeah. So it was actually the wind then, when the winds came, because 
I remember that day. They were uh, so frightened uh, for New Orleans, but the, it seemed like the hurricane didn't do any damage. But it was actually then when the flooding started was the flooding. that uh, it, it became really crazy over there. And then we saw the the intense flooding. We saw the um, what what really was hard for me to understand, TJ was how come they weren't getting food and water to the people. Yeah, that, that was a, an enormous breakdown. It was a breakdown in two areas, okay? Um, our governor and a Republican president. I mean, that's, mm-hmm. that's, you know. Yeah, but when when you hear, I mean, to me it's like, okay, we live in the United States. We have all these helicopters, we have trucks, we have every all these things. And yet, I don't know, what it was, it four days, five days, they couldn't get supplies? Total breakdown. Total yeah, breakdown. But yet, when you hear Bush talk about it now, he says, well, I couldn't do anything because I had to get, we had to wait to get the governor's position, uh, permission, which is like, what? I don't understand. So what really happened over there? Our, our, our governor, <laughs> governor had a nervous breakdown. Okay? Yeah, every, yeah, I think everybody had a nervous breakdown. I think <laughs> the mayor had one, the governor had one, I think George Bush had one. I our think everybody had one except for Dick Ch- Cheney. Had a nervous <laughs> breakdown, okay? And at, at the point, we had we had two or three individuals, Rennell just said it, that had nervous breakdowns. In the midst of the storm, you had police. And all this chaos. Who had a police chief had a nervous breakdown. Had a police chief had a nervous breakdown on uh-huh. on national television. On national television, his his breakdown uh-huh. was televised. Uh-huh. We had the governor who had a nervous breakdown. So when the leadership falls apart in the, in the midst of crisis, a lot of those people suffered because of breakdowns in communication. It yeah. would have been so simple to get them water down there. It would have been so simple. Yeah. I'm just, like, what is right. going on? I, I couldn't right. believe it. And, and, right. that, and that was it, you know. And it, Susan, it was bad planning. trust me. We, we, I, I evacuated to Lake Charles, like I said earlier, and I watched that whole thing unfold in shock because yeah. I could not believe that that was my city, yeah. that, that that was my home. And I'm watching this on television, and and just like everybody else, and it I was it, it was like I was just dying inside because at yeah. that point in my life, I said to myself, I'm never going to be able to go back yeah, I mean, because that, it looked yeah. so bad. It just seemed like it was so bad that that that, that is what was implanted into a lot of people's heads. We, we're never going to be able to go home. Yeah, it's over. And you watch CNN in shock, and you know, and you're watching your mayor, and you're watching, you know, the governor who you could tell was crying five seconds mm-hmm. before the the press conference, and you, you you knew at that point we were in trouble because when you looked over the state line to Mississippi with Barber and and Trent Lott, you saw a well organized machine going yeah. yep. play. You know, yep, and, you sure and they could say what they wanted to say about Trent Lott, but Trent Lott made sure Mississippi had everything they needed yeah. to mm-hmm. to recover. 
And, I know, and it looks like uh, it looks like New Orleans was some kind of a foreign country out there in the backwoods of, uh, uh, you know, Haiti or something. Yeah. You know, I was yeah, like, what exactly. is going on over here? You know, and, and, and Mississippi had 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 a very extreme level of devastation, but but they yeah. managed to get it back up and running so quickly. I mean, they had a twenty five foot wave come up on. Wow. I mean, it just washed everything away. Wow! But but the difference in the recovery efforts it was night and day. It, yes, it was night and day. And you know, the leadership of Mississippi. I just tipped my hand. Some people say they had an advantage because of the Republican leadership at the time. But even on the state level, they were just much more stable and, and organized and focused, you know, than New Orleans. You know, yeah. in, in New Orleans, you had 30,000 people per day rode public transportation. New Orleans oh, had, mm-hmm. had this wonderful, elaborate RTA system, Regional Transit Authority. These were yeah. buses, sort of like New York City has the subways. New Orleans had a bus system that you can travel to any corner of the city on a bus. So you had a lot of mm-hmm. people who who didn't who didn't have cars because they re- relied on the buses. And if yeah. you look at the amount of people who were trapped in the city, it was almost thirty thousand to the exact. Mhm. Oh. It was it was almost to the to the exact number of the total amount of people that rode public transportation and the ones who got stuck because people like Rennell, those who had resources and money, got out of there. Yeah. Right. Okay? And they say, well, why didn't they just leave? Well, why couldn't they just leave? They didn't get to, they sitting at the convention. Yeah, center. yeah. It's, I, I know it's it's hard they for people they to didn't realize have, they didn't have resources. There are they some didn't have people or cars. Don't they didn't own a car. Right. They have the resources to leave. Yeah. didn't have the resources either. Remember, she had just bought a house, so that's why she was with relatives in Lake Charles. But Renell <laughs> got out and of there. Not at a hotel. Wait, 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 and not at her usual hotel in Dallas. Renell got. <laughs> Out of there, and that's the yeah. difference. They had some people who could not get out of there. Now, there was also another group who elected to stay. Let me let right. me that first insert true. that, right? Because as we drove around the city, um, like I said, I worked with FEMA in the aftermath. As we drove around the city, Sister Sue, you had a lot of brand new cars that were brand flooded new cars out. sitting in <laughs> front of houses. Saying? Brand new we had car. a lot of people who elected not to leave. Yeah, you know, I was about to. Be, I was. I was going to be one of those people, yeah. but my father made me leave because I'm like, I just moved into my house. I got. I yeah. have to unpack. I'm not going yeah. nowhere. <laughs> well, it's a good thing you left, <laughs> you know, because you would have been 18 foot, like you said, underwater. I would have been 18 feet underwater, sitting on top of my roof. Oh, you would have been sitting attic. on top of your roof. Yeah, that's right. That's the lesson. The le- one of the lessons from Hurricane Katrina that I think a lot of people still have came have gotten a hold of it is uh, there are insurances that you need. Okay, there are certain insurances on your house that you need. You know, mm-hmm. we saw a report recently about this area in in Missouri, and it was saying that even though it's in a tornado alley, the majority of the homes didn't have insurance. The same thing played out in New Orleans. You know, That's right. and I know I know people didn't have flood insurance. They didn't have flood. They didn't insurance. have flood. 
they didn't have homeowners insurance. So a lot of these people owned their homes, and that's and that's what I found out after the fact because of who I used to work for. A lot of yeah. these companies, I mean, a lot of these people owned their homes outright. So yeah. so 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 there was no provisions needed. You know, you didn't have to have flood insurance. You didn't have to have homeowner's insurance. So a lot of people opted out of not having that coverage. The only reason why I had it is because I just bought my house. It was yeah. required because I had a mortgage. Wow. And that's the only reason why. And I tell everybody that flood insurance was the best $500 I have ever spent in my life. Yes. <laughs> yes, yeah, Because then most people... Uh, they lost everything. They had no chance of recovering it. There was None. no chance of recourse because FEMA, yes, they 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 were giving they they were uh, giving people assistance. But if you lost everything, what is fifteen thousand dollars worth of assistance going to do? Yeah. What is thirty thousand dollars worth of assistance going to do? And I think a lot of people got it twisted. And then you have the people who they turned down outright. Because I have family members who didn't get anything, lost Me. just as much. Me lost just as much. That's right, you. FEMA didn't give TJ nothing. Nothing. So <laughs> what happened? That what happened then in your situation, TJ? Where you were you living? You had to start from scratch. I yeah I, I had to I had to start from scratch. See, Katrina hit at a time when I was in transition. You know, I yeah. I was I was in the process of of you know about to buy a home in in Hansford and and was selling one. So when Katrina came through, and it caught me at the worst possible time, and that's what I FEMA FEMA didn't give me a dime. And that's why I mm-hmm. really want to say this to the a lot of these people in Alabama and Missouri. Don't don't have high expectations when it comes to FEMA. No, okay. do not have high expectations we at all. Suffered through that that whole Katrina ordeal in the FEMA because the expectation, Sister Sue, was help was going to be there. The expectation yeah. was something this tragic, something this horrific. The 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 government would show up and help these people. And yet, yeah. some people mm-hmm. say. You know, you should have this ideal that the government is going to show up. But I just think that certain things the government should just show up and help with, you know, such as massive flooding, you know, <laughs> massive attacks. Yeah. The government should show yeah. up to do that, okay? Yeah, so, instead of going off somewhere and bombing somebody yeah. for billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It didn't happen. Yeah. And now, that's why I tell people, even if you can't afford flood insurance, even if you can't afford Ford homeowners insurance, at least get content insurance. Get content yeah. insurance. At least cover the stuff that you had, you know. Yes. Because yes. if you have to pick up and go somewhere else, at least you'll have something available yes. to you to 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 buy your children a bed to sleep on. If, yeah. if people you know, are listening to this show yeah. right now, call your insurance agent, even if you are renting. Even if, especially, especially if you are renting. Content uh-huh. is costs about $20 a month. Oh. Especially okay. if you are renting. Really, okay. seriously, especially if you are renting. Get some content insurance. It'll yeah. be the best money you ever spent if something that's happens. That's, you know, that's the lesson that we learned. The people who had insurance, it came out of that situation with something. Those without insurance, you know, are... Many of them are still displaced till today. You know, in, in, in New Orleans is a city that is rich in 
very unique culture. You know, we sort of spawned our own culture. It's one of the most unique cities in the world. And what makes it so unique is this mixture of of people and, and how we've blended together these different races and nationalities and minorities and whites and everybody. It, it, they blend together really well. And when you have a storm and something comes through like Katrina and it begins to displace these people, many of these people have a hard time adjusting. They don't mm-hmm. adjust. You can't it's difficult to take someone from the Nightwater New Orleans and place them in Utah. Yeah, <laughs> trying to put them in put them in the middle of Montana. Yeah, exactly. Well, the That's thing a is, lot of that I love those New Orleans funerals mm-hmm. where they bring the the uh, coach and the horses, and they have the parade with the musicians. Yeah, you don't see anything like that anywhere else. We put on mm-hmm. funeral, you know. That we we yeah, you that, put on a funeral, right? <laughs> we dance. Yeah, you. we put on a funeral. We don't we don't we don't have a funeral. We actually put on a funeral. It's we have true. to get a permit for our funerals. Oh, <laughs> get a permit. But it, but it, it's really a, a unique no, seriously, you, you got to get a permit. <laughs> we, uh-huh. we we get permits because we're going to either take over our entire neighborhood. Right, or there's going to be a parade. A, yeah, the, the, a second line parade starts with a few members of a jazz band and the funeral, the family member of the deceased, and they will just start walking down the street and playing their playing the horns. As they're walking, it builds and it builds, and every time they get to a new neighborhood, they're going to pick up about 25 more people. So yeah. by the time this thing makes it all the way back to the original house, you've got almost 1,000, 2,000 people wow. that are that have shown up for this, that we call it a, a, a second-line funeral, okay? And, and so when we begin to talk about the culture of New Orleans, you know, to a, a storm like Katrina was really, it almost wiped out this entire city, this this history. This, New Orleans is a time capsule, you know. You, you can still see auction blocks of where slaves were sold. You can still wow. see the influence of the French. You can still see Napoleon's debt mask in, in, in the city of New Orleans. There are things oh. in New wow. Orleans as they were, you know, for 300 years ago. And yeah. so when you have poor planning, such as a city depending on levees, dirt hills. Dirt hills? This is what Mississippi and, and Tunica, Mississippi, is experiencing right now. When you see the flooding in Tunica, Mississippi, you, you, you have you, we still have cities that are relying on dirt hills. That's what a levee oh, wow. is. Just compact. Well, that's really stuff. archaic. Yeah. And, and and that's what's protecting many of these areas that are that are what we are called river parishes or river cities. And I said this in New Orleans when New Orleans flooded, and many people say, "Well, why would y'all live down there in New Orleans? And it's it's all already below sea level. But why don't they just move out of there?" And I, and I tell it's it's us today. It will be you tomorrow. Yeah. That's just the way life is. It's us today. Yeah. We're totally wiped out right now, you know. And I, I, 
you know, after, in the aftermath of Katrina, we had all kind of stupid preachers coming on TV talking about, well, that's just God dealing with New Orleans because you know they're down there with all that sitting and they have that their bourbon street and they have all kind of uh, prostitutions down there in New Orleans. And that's yeah, why. Yeah. yeah, like they don't have it anywhere else. And, and, I, and I would say to people, well, you know, I mean, this actual city of New Orleans didn't get destroyed, so if you want to Say, it was so ridiculous what they it was were saying. So I couldn't believe it. Because the the place the place where these the strip clubs actually are, it was dry. Yeah. <laughs> People lost their homes, you know. I guess that, you know, he he just passed that part by and he he went over where the people actually lived in neighborhoods and he was getting even with them or something. It, it was ridiculous. We have people saying all kinds of stuff, but you know, people live in these areas along these rivers because it's their homes, you know. Yeah. Their homes, and you know, the, the one of the things that I've been advocating for since Hurricane Katrina is that we can do better with the way we protect the communities that are up along the rivers, okay, along the Mississippi River. Because if you look at the flooding that's taking place right now, once again the Mississippi River has humbled us and made us realize mm-hmm. that you know these these dirt hills called levees will never, ever contain me whenever I decide that I want to overrun. Yeah, right. So right. Well, would, you, you that, thought they would have learned the lesson in 1928 with, with the first flood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That flooded out the Mississippi River Basin. Uh-huh. But, it, I mean, it's, 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 it was, it's like it's history repeating itself all over again. And yeah. it's because the Army Corps engineers think that they can control this thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, it's just like uh, you were saying, TJ, about, you know, you can't depend on FEMA. But the Bible says that we're not to look to anybody else except to uh, God and the Lord Jesus Christ because where does our help come from? Mm-hmm. Our help comes from, from above. So we can't depend on the government and uh, these uh political organization or politicians or whatever to meet our needs or to take care of us when we're hurting because that's really the church's job. It's always been the church's job. Oh, Lord, why'd you bring mm-hmm. that up? Why'd you bring now, that up? Yeah, because, yeah, <laughs> this, I want to hear Uh-oh. about this. Before, before, yeah, before I, I say be what said. I want to say, can I compliment somebody first, okay? Yes. The Southern Baptist. <laughs> Thank God. For the Southern Baptist, yes, the you, yeah, I'm talking about the same Southern Baptists that had the stigma on them that they were rednecks and they, that they were racist and they didn't like black people. I'm talking about the same Southern Baptists. <laughs> they showed up in New Orleans and carried. They were the first ones on the they ground. Were first. Do you, do you feel where I'm coming from, Sister Sue? They were first. Yeah. To get to an entirely black city. And start gutting out homes, start providing whatever mm-hmm. they could provide. Man, they came down seven, eight vans at a time filled with kids, everybody. They brought lumber. Everybody. Tools. Now, that's Jesus. That's, that's Jesus. These, these mm-hmm. Southern Baptists, these, these congregations that came from Oklahoma, Nebraska, Tennessee, you know, northern Mississippi, Alabama, Texas. Arkansas. Texas. Arkansas. Wow. Mm-hmm. They were first, Missouri, you know. First, and, and this is when when people begin to. This is why I can never throw all preachers in the same 
bucket together. And you know how I am on the accountability issues because whenever I, I want to start to group them in all together, I'm reminded of a fact that it was a Southern Baptist pastor that gutted out my mom's house and re-sheetrocked the whole thing with floors, cabinets, everything. Wow. Okay? Everything. They provided everything. Now, the flip side of it to it, we had a lot of preachers in the city of New Orleans who had made all of their money off of New Orleans, who were extremely wealthy, who simply picked up and went to another town. We called it following the tides. (laughs) And wherever the tides went, just like herds of cattle, the lions followed the herds. These pastors followed the herds of tides. Okay. Now Clean you're talking about now Paul Morton. Yes. Paul Morton was there. Yes. He, he, did his church get flooded or did he have any damage? Yes. I know his big mansion or something. I he, think his his church was flooded. His church was flooded, and he both churches were flooded. Okay, but he got a lot of you know he became the face of it from the preaching standpoint. Yeah. But you got to realize Paul Morton was so rich at that point in time. That he he should have been the last one on 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 TV, you know, crying and doing all of the things that he did. He was able to recover. He had the money to recover. He yeah. picked up. He relocated to Atlanta, yeah, as if did. nothing ever happened. Yeah. Some of his proteges, Darrell S. Brister, they went to Houston, Texas, and I feel for Houston. I feel. Oh, I pray. I pray a special prayer for Houston because every pimp preacher in our city. Oh, the half of them went to Houston. Two thirds of them went to Houston, and another third went to Atlanta. Okay. Yeah. So it 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 infected those cities with hustling pastors. <laughs> they already yeah. had hustling pastors in those yeah. cities. <laughs> but they, you know, you you somebody if you can you can have a roach problem, but if somebody bring their furniture in and it's full of more roaches, it's still not. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> well, you know, TJ, uh, I remember when Paul Morton was on, uh, he was on some television program and he was talking about his, his house and his cars and all that had uh, been destroyed. But did, did Paul Morton actually do anything to help people there? You know, I did. Right. I read a story I charged him. I wrote a piece called um, Church Leadership. He said, and, what was destroyed? He said, what was destroyed? His 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 church. Or his mansion or his, his cars. And he was crying about it, something about Really? Well, why? Well, how come he just didn't trade in a jet and buy something new? You know, but, <laughs> you know the reality of it, Renee. Well, because it, he wanted to get some offerings. <laughs> he was looking for offerings. So. Being rich, just get rich. Paul Morton been rich, man. Before there was a TD Jakes, there was a Paul Morton. Before there was a Creflo Dollar, there was a Paul Morton. This is the guy that taught the pimps how to pimp. So yeah. he already had money, you know. And so I, it was insulting that this guy would get up there. Well, I thought it was too because I thought it was somewhat pitiful that all those people were suffering over there. And he was crying about his house and his cars or something. Is, and uh, rich. so I, I thought it was pitiful. And then Jesse Duplantis, too, was making a big deal. Uh, and he was saying he was raising money to help people. 
but I don't know who was actually helping people. It's like you said, it was the Southern Baptists. We didn't hear about that. No one, no one knows. No one knows about that because the, I was in the city. You know, and they still had water in in the city when I was in the city. So I had a chance to watch it dry out and watch who arrived first. It was the Southern Baptists. Okay, yeah. they showed up. And they brought everything, man. If you got to the city, they even gave you sterilizing things to, to wipe yourself down with. And I mean, they, they were just a beautiful. It, it was beautiful to see that, and it helped balance me out, you know. Yeah. Completely, it it, it changed a lot of my perceptions about um, churches and organizations because I knew that there were some there were some pastors out there that had a heart, and and this is why I said, Sister Sue, the purpose. You don't believe in tithes, you know. I, 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 the, the concept of it makes me nauseous. Makes me yeah. Up. But the purpose of the tithe to many of these pastors were to bring all of the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat. Then, then Katrina was a good opportunity for the meat. Okay. Yeah. That was a good opportunity to start distributing some meat. Okay. St. Right. Louis, Missouri, is a good opportunity to start distributing some of the meat. But we're not finding. The, these pastors, like in Tuscaloosa, they want to go in and give this person $30 and give that person $30. No. Empty out the wealth of the church onto in the right. streets. Okay. Well, that's what, it's, that's what it's all about. I mean, it's like all those churches that they had there in New Orleans, they could have rebuilt that whole city. If, with all the tithe money that they had collected, and if they had been storing it up, like they claim it's supposed to go to a storehouse, but meanwhile it's being spent um, mainly to uh, for the pastor to have a good lifestyle. And uh, when the people there in that community needed help, and you're supposed to get your help from from Christian people because we have supposed to first. supposed to we should have been first with the love and compassion of Jesus to should reach have been out. First. Mm-hmm. You know, but you why know, did why did the Southern Baptists have to come from other states? Why I mean, did they, they have came. to come from other states? That's right. right. Yeah. You know, yeah, you the know, Christians right there should have been there. Who did right. more than than the, than the black churches? Brad Pitt. Yeah, Brad. Now, how did his, uh, now tell me about it. Now, how how is his development coming? Oh you haven't heard. I haven't oh, heard. I absolutely love it. I absolutely we, love it. What are you doing in the lower ninth ward? Yeah, well, you know, I'm from the yeah, lower ninth. Yeah, we actually did. Mm-hmm. We actually were down there a cu- couple of days ago, and we saw Brad, some of the newer houses. Yeah. Is a is a and is a, and he's fantastic. He he is unbelievable. You know, and it's so funny because. You know, if Brad Pitt goes anywhere else in the in the world and walk down the street, people will be like, ah, it's Brad Pitt, you know. But in this one area of the night ward, Brad Pitt walks up and down the street. They're like, hey, what's up, Brad? How your wife, man? How did you do How did you How the children, bro? You know, Brad. Because they we, we, we got some fried chicken. You want some fried chicken? Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just. He what he did in taking his money and building those homes, and he built them high. He built them some some of them. They're elevated. What Renell, fifteen? I mean, um, 15, 15, 18 feet, probably. Wow. But 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 not only that. I mean, <laughs> not only will these people not have to, you know, they have these wonderful brand new houses. But more importantly, they have no light bill. <laughs> Yeah, because there are all these energy efficient solar paneled 
super homes. And I'm like, they yeah, have well, no that's light the bill. way it should be. So, uh, <laughs> you know, Brad Pitt, I want to say it, Brad Pitt, he put the church to shame over there. Shame. Like, why should Brad Pitt, who doesn't, is not even a believer, why should he right. go down to New Orleans and do this, and, and it puts the church to shame. I mean, you know, God has to use to an unbeliever to put the church to shame. It, mm-hmm. He, he didn't. I mean, and, and, and there's visible signs of it. And if if we if we can reform church in any capacity, the one area we have to reform church in, Sister Sue, is the donations. Yeah. Okay. This. I tell people this all the time. I'm not a pastor, but if I became a pastor of a church, they'll probably fire me the next Sunday because I would begin to distribute money, okay? And and we had a rabbi come on to our show to talk about this issue of tithes, and he said something that that almost changed. It was life-changing what he said. He says that the church should give give in a way where the person don't even need help anymore. Yes. I said, wow, wow, that's a foreign concept. Well, you know, the Jews have always been the envy of many people, and people criticize the Jews because they stick together and they help each other. But it's because of the the way they're taught. It's uh, exact. And and when you did that program, I thought that was a really excellent program because you brought it from a Jewish perspective where uh, the Christians, they've taken it and they've twisted all those scriptures to use it for their own gain. Mm-hmm. Their own gain instead of using it to uh, be a representative of Jesus Christ on the earth and to be there to help help uh, people when they need help. And uh, But, you know, TJ, what we're doing on uh, my program, your program, and some of the other people there on Blog Talk Radio and on YouTube, and we are having a revolution. Yes. And God's given us this opportunity. He's given us this Internet to reach out to the world. We can reach the whole world right from yes. you know, inside our house. We yes, don't have we to can. get on airplanes and travel and uh, do all the things that we had to do at one time. But And we have a, a YouTube where you can have free television. You can access mm-hmm. your own television program every day for free. And you don't have to take it. Have a satellite telephone on TN. Yeah, right. You don't have to have a tele a begathon, a conathon, a shamathon. You don't have to. Really? You can broadcast for free? I didn't know that. Yeah, you can actually have your own television ministry for free. And uh, so we're part of the revolution. We're going to see a revolution. We're going to keep telling the truth and help people to get back to the purity and the beauty of the gospel of Jesus Christ and be a church without spot or wrinkle. And uh, so when people are hurting, we can reach out and uh, help our neighbor, who, like you said, it was shameful to FEMA giving somebody uh, a few hundred dollars or whatever, 15000 and and uh, you can't rebuild your life on that kind of money. Mm-hmm. Uh, rebuild your house, and like you said, the contents of your house. And so uh, I think that we're we were born for such a time as this, you know. Yes. yes. And it, it's no accident how God's put all this together. Yeah. How he's how we're a voice. We're just we're a voice crying out in the wilderness, and we're going to keep crying out, and we are going to see some changes. And uh, these people know we're out there. They know uh-huh. we're there. They know we're not going away, 
and uh, either it's either repent or just go away. You know, get another job, be a banker, be a stockbroker or something. But just don't be a minister or a preacher if you're going to con people and just take advantage of people just because you're selfish and greedy. Yes. Because we see, the, you know, TJ and Rennell, it's not going to get any better. Mm-mm, mm-mm. You know, and I... You know, I, I in particular, I, I you, you said something so awful. You said there's no coincidence, and it was no coincidence in the aftermath of of Katrina. You know, I meet my wife, and we met in the aftermath of Katrina. You know, after the FEMA job ran out, I had to find something to do. I started doing satellites. You know. And um, satellite internet because there was no internet in the city of New Orleans, and I knew how to do it, so I got a little job. And she was ordering internet, and I showed up at the door, and you know, and she went, she went, put on some lipstick, and the rest is history, you know. I did not put on lipstick. Stop that! Stop that! Don't don't even come on here and tell that story. I did not put on lipstick. I. I I, I, I came out and brought you something cold to drink. That's what I did. Oh, <laughs> she brought him a cup of cold water. Now, that what? is nice. Now, I, you I, see I, that? I, you, 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 that was a divine appointment. You yes, came knocking yes. on her door. I, I, I thank God for it because, you know, it, 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 not only Rennell, uh wasn't a coincidence, but everything that has happened since then wasn't a coincidence, you know, and it all led to the church folk revolution. You know, and I'm so happy you said that because it is, in fact, a revolution. I thought preaching was, you know, just beating people over the heads with tithes and offerings and, you know, getting a Bentley and having a big old pastor's anniversary celebration until God mm-hmm. taught me. He showed me what serving was. And we just celebrated 100 episodes, and we haven't charged a person one dime. You know, we've had nope. 100 Two-hour radio shows, what you could you like we say church for for six hours a week, and this is one offering. Yes, no, and you know it, yeah. it's like a friend of mine said because I, I wasn't thinking of it that way, and he said to me he said you know Susan even if you get fifty people or a hundred people a week that uh, are listening that's that's a congregation. Yes, so that's your mm-hmm. congregation. Yes, and mm-hmm. uh, so we've got a congregation, and it keeps growing. It's growing. Of fellow right. revolutionaries, that That's we right. know what it is. Both of us, and uh, Rennell too, had a desire to serve the Lord, maybe in a bigger capacity. Where yes, uh, like you said, you were working for a ministry, you were on your way up. I myself was the same. But I knew I couldn't be a part of that whole system, that mm-hmm. if I was truly going to be uh, preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, it had to be the truth and not because mm-hmm. of something that Susan wanted. Whether or not God paid me, uh, I was still going to do it. Right, right. And and it's rewarding, you know. The, the people yeah. that we have met in and through this internet ministry, you know, has been unbelievable. And, and with the revolution, the people that God has surrounded us with, like you, we consider you one of our elders. You know, the people that He's placed a, uh, in our lives that we are are in authority, but we're under authority. You know, I'm accountable mm-hmm. to the people. I'm accountable to wife. She watch everything that I do. Well, I <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> 
God said, I've got to make that man some help. Checking <laughs> <laughs> me, you know. It is wonderful, and to the people that are going through their storm right now, the last thing that I want to say, that God brought us through Katrina. And, y'all, you guys watch Mm -hmm. Katrina on CNN the same way that we're watching you go through your storm. And the same God that dried out the city of New Orleans, that there's no water on the streets of it today. New Orleans is dry. That's the same God that's going to regrow the leaves and the foliage on your trees and clean up your neighborhoods and restore your schools. And I'm talking to you, Missouri, and I'm talking to you, Tuscaloosa and Birmingham. God will restore you. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes, because, you know, we haven't seen that kind of devastation. I never saw anything like that, that kind of flooding like you all had and, and bodies floating through the streets and, I mean, it, it it was really something to watch it and to witness it. Uh, of course, I wasn't there. I wasn't an eyewitness, but I was watching it on television, and uh, I, I just couldn't believe it. But it's like you said, it it God promised, and and you know when when God made the rainbow after the earth mm-hmm. was destroyed by a flood, when you see a rainbow, it's the promise that He would never again destroy the earth with a flood, but. Uh, how does the city look now? Oh, it's, it's beautiful. You know, it's it's absolutely beautiful. I was telling Rennell, HBO has a series on called Treme, and they go mm-hmm. back and they relive what happened to Katrina, you know, and me and her were watching. I, I started to watch it, but it became too hard for me to it watch. Became it. Right. it became too real. Right. too real. That that series is very, very, it's so real that on one episode they found a body of a, one of the characters, his father, and I, I said I said to Rennell, I said, now see, that's the call I would have received to go in and uh, a house. And that was the last episode we watched. <laughs> a house that was the last one. They searched this house, and they still found this guy's father um, under a boat. Months later. And and I I tell them this all the time. That show is very accurate, but to come from where we were to have that many people who lose their lives over twenty three hundred people perished in Hurricane Katrina, to to the point that we are right now, is nothing but a move of God. And I thank you, Sister Sue, for um for having this show and connecting the parallels in between then and now. God bless you for this opportunity. Yes, thank you for coming on, both of you, and uh, I appreciate it because it's been on my heart for quite a while. I, it's something I wanted to talk about and uh, give some people, like you said, our brothers and sisters down there in Missouri who are really going through it right now, that there is hope. There is a God who loves them and cares about them, and, and there are there are brothers and sisters that care. And uh, I just want to thank you both for being with me today. And we'll be talking again real soon. God bless you, Sister Sue. God bless. Thank you. You're welcome, Sue. Bye, Rennell. God bless you. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in today. And uh, PJ uh, has his program on Blog Talk Radio Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time and and 11 a.m. Central Time. That's Church Folk Revolution. And you'll be so blessed by their program. They they have some 
very, very interesting topics, very timely topics. It'll help you grow in the in in the Lord. And and if you have any questions, if you're in a church and you know something's wrong, you, you're just upset about things that are going on, but yet you feel alone. Uh, you have a friend at the Church Folk. You'll have friends at Church Folk Revolution, and uh, also the website is pimppreacher.com. And TJ has some great articles there that'll bless you. So uh, we want to let you know that Jesus Christ loves you. Most of all, there is a God in heaven that cares about you. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. And that's what love is. It's giving. He so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever would believe in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Jesus Christ, the Savior of the world, the Redeemer, the healer of the broken hearts. He heals the brokenhearted. Hallelujah. He healed my heart, and I know he's healed TJ and Rennell, and uh, he's mended their broken hearts too. He loves you, Jesus Christ. Loves you. He's real. He's a real person. He's not a dead God. He He died, and he rose again, and he lives and he's ever making intercession so get down on your knees today and tell god you're sorry for your sins we've all sinned and come short of the glory and uh he'll forgive you of your sins and ask jesus christ to come into your life and ask him to prove that he is god that prove that he is a miracle worker and he will he'll come in and he will change your life completely i guarantee you you will go from the kingdom of darkness into, into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of his dear son. He did it for me. From One day in 1981, I got down on my knees and I asked Jesus, I said, I don't even know if you're real, but if you are real, come into my life and change me. I'm sorry for all the things I've done. And he did. He came in, and I'm telling you, my life was never the same. It's a simple gospel message the gospel is simple and so if that's you today please give your life to jesus let him be your comforter your savior your redeemer he wants to he loves you god bless you I'm going to a city that's set on a hill Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above Oh, I'm going to a city And it's set on a hill And someday I'll be in heaven And there'll be no sorrow there Oh, I'm going to a city It lies four square The gates are made of jasper And I'll see Jesus there I'm going to a city on a hill And someday I'll be in heaven And there'll be no sorrow there Set on a hill, its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. 
shall be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. I'm going to a city, it lies four square. The gates are made of jasper and I'll see Jesus there. I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. And someday I'll be in heaven. There'll be no sorrow there 